What's up, crew? Time for another Clover Tack podcast, the podcast where usually you don't know that they're coming until they're already here. Uh, wanted to jump on. Got wind of some things yesterday dealing with uh, HB 1927 or the Constitutional Carry Bill here in Texas. I need to get on your radar. Some phone numbers I need to throw out there. We need to talk about uh, at least what I feel, what I think from my conversations might be going on. We need to talk about a little bit of that. And I want to talk about some other pro to a pro firearm legislation that's uh, that's going on. So it's moving around the uh, both chambers, basically, uh, of the Texas legislature, the, the House and the Senate. Um, as always, I'd like to give a shout out first to all of those that uh, are in replay and let you know that you can uh, participate just like the live folks out there uh, down in the comments below if you have questions or whatever. Uh, let me know. I'll try to uh, to line those out. Also, big shout out and thanks to Texas State Rifle Association, the TSR, uh, yeah, TSRA, and uh, Texas GOA. If you're not on the alert list and stuff for them, please go visit those websites. Get on the alert list, and that will get some things uh, on your radar. You won't have to rely on folks like myself and, and other folks. They'll come straight to your email inbox and. Then you can start looking around and saying if anybody is pay anybody else is paying attention, right? Now, my take is both of those entities are a bit behind, entities are a bit behind the curve, or maybe they don't want to practice in speculation. And he said, she said, you know what? On this podcast, we're going to do that because uh, I've got some thoughts on this. So let's kick this off. Let's start out first of all uh, just by saying hey to those that are in the live chat. How are you out there? And then scrolling at the bottom, big shout out and thanks, obviously, to the Patreon patrons and the and the uh, YouTube channel members. But uh, we've got uh, Thomas out there says we're expecting a boat here today. No, absolutely not. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about. So the constitutional carry bill did get through the House. Uh, it had uh, bipartisan support. I believe there was seven Democrats that voted uh, for it, and it moved on. And now we've kind of run a snag. And, of course, that was last week. Yesterday was Monday. You know, it's not really time to get antsy just yet, but we need to be vigilant and aware of what's going on. So I caught wind yesterday that there was some shenanigans being played. Uh, that's my opinion. This is all my opinion right here. We'll talk about the facts of some bills and where they're at a little later on. Uh, this is this is going to be opinion, um, so take it for for what you will. But uh, did call Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's office, called this uh, senator from Amarillo, Senator Seliger's office, and I'm getting some he said she said, pointing fingers, blaming somebody else stories. So here's kind of what I'm what I'm able to put together. So. The way that the Texas Senate works is you need 18 votes to get something to the House floor. Okay. You only need 16 for it to pass. So that's a good thing. Um, the The fight, the struggle here, I think, uh, if you want to call it that, is simply putting pressure on these elected representatives to get it to the floor. I think that's where it's going to lie, right? So we've got... Since you need 18, there's only 18 Republicans. Uh, and I don't want to make this a party thing, but we all we all know the score there, right? Uh, could a Democrat senator vote for this? Absolutely. Could a Republican defect on it? Absolutely. 
right? So uh, by, by no means is this necessarily a partisan issue, but uh, things do just work that way. It's reality. So having 16, I mean, 18, I mean, Republican senators, we've got this one Yahoo uh, Senator Seliger that is, quote, undecided, according to Dan Patrick, right? That's what Dan Patrick's saying. He's saying, and that's our lieutenant governor. He's saying, hey, we don't have the 18 votes to get it to the floor. Um, and the reason that we don't, he's not saying it's because of Seliger, but he's saying we don't have the 18 votes. And then, oh, in other news, <laughs> you know, um, this Senator Seliger is undecided on whether or not he wants to vote to bring it to the floor. Now, is this political posturing of some, some at some level, is this political theater? And I think the answer to that question is yes, it is, right? Um, but you know, I was like, okay, so let me, let me call. And they, and so I called Lieutenant, uh, Governor Dan Patrick's office and I'll throw the numbers out there here in a minute. So grab a pen and a piece of paper or open a notepad, uh, if you've got that. So I called Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's office and the, the rough story on that is, yeah, they don't have 18 votes and they like, again, they're not throwing that dude under the bus by the name, but that's their claim. Now, called Senator Seliger's office. And the story there is, oh, Dan Patrick is not doing what he needs to do to bring it to the floor yet. He's putting everything on hold because he's talking to Texas law enforcement. Well, okay, we got some inconsistencies here. Which is it? Do you not have the vote, which is what you're saying, or do you are you wanting to get more information for whatever reason, which I think is silly uh, from Texas law enforcement officers, because here's the, the beef I have with that argument. Okay. This thing has went through all types of procedures and channels. Law enforcement has spoken for it against it, whatever it might be um, through all of the debates in the house of representatives. So why um, our Lieutenant governor is not, is not afforded the ability to squash the will of the people based on what a few law enforcement agency heads may or may not want. Um, his job is to bring it to the floor. And then at that point, if the representatives of the people decide maybe they don't want it because said law enforcement officials have swayed their vote, which has then swayed uh, the vote of the senator, then that's fine. But I think that Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, if that is the case where he's wanting to not get this to the floor to kill historic legislation that has massive momentum, first of all, I think it's political suicide on his part. And I hope he's listening because I want him to know that he will not be reelected if he continues these supposed again, this is my opinion. And from what I can ascertain, these supposed shenanigans, he's, he's done. And so will, so will this Senator Seliger make, make no mistake about it. Uh, and again, all this is alleged and supposed and the best I can piece together at this time. So let's not, uh, let's not go off the rails here and I'll get to a more positive aspect of things here in a second. Um, but yeah, we got some blaming one person blaming the other person, you know, and when that happens, that's typically somebody's looking for political cover. Um, it almost sounds like sort of like we had in the house, it was pretty much inevitable. It got to a point where it was inevitable. It was going to pass. And so when that happens, you have people that are 
positioning themselves. And that way they can speak out both sides of their mouth or claim one thing or claim another. And I think that that may be part of what's going on here. Now, with that said, should we pressure these yahoos? Absolutely. And so I'm going to give you some numbers. I told you earlier to open a notepad, whatever. You can run this stream back, replay, whatever, and get these numbers. They're also in the description, wherever you're watching or listening. Uh, but we got the switchboard in Austin, which is 512-463-4630. I'll say that again, 512-463-4630. Then we've got uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's office, 512 512- Four six three zero 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 one again five one two four six three zero 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 one and then we've got this Senator uh, Seliger from uh, Amarillo and I advise calling this guy even if you're not in Amarillo because we've got social media influence out here we've got a lot of ways that we can work to uh, make sure he does not get reelected regardless of whether we're in his district or a region or not and his number is five one two four six three zero one three one that's five one two four six three Zero one three one. Uh, be courteous. Be civil. You call these yahoos up, but definitely tell them that that you know my my message with them was pretty simple. Hey, we're watching this. We don't like this political gamesmanship. We don't like the way that one person is blaming another. Um, there are, in fact, eighteen votes that can happen to get it to the floor. This needs to go to the floor. Um, Senator Sedlager does not need to stand in the way, and Dan Patrick does not need to usurp the will of the people uh, by not bringing it to a um, to a floor vote. So uh, make sure you give those folks a call. Say, hey, this needs to get to the floor. Um, needs to be debated. Needs to, uh, yeah, needs to go through those votes. So let's talk a little bit about a couple of other things that are moving through. We got some other bills. And one of them in particular uh, is a Senate bill. And we're talking about the Senate here and a lot of sentiment opinions from me that they're creating shenanigans or trying to stop what's going on with constitutional carry, whatever. And, and I don't know. I don't know if it's, it's that or it's that gamesmanship or political theater, because here's why. The Senate has passed quite a few pro 2A bills out of their chamber that have subsequently moved over to the House. Right. And one of those is interesting. One of those is HB um, 1253. Senator Hall, uh, and essentially it would codify um, basically what is that structure organized um, that the uh, Texas will maintain its license to carry system as an option, uh, even if constitutional carry uh, passes, which we've we've heard that all along with constitutional carry that, hey, this is going to be an option. You've got the, the option for constitutional carry and you're going to have the option for license to carry, right? And so the Senate's actually putting a bill forth uh, or has passed. So here's what's interesting is there's these supposed shenanigans to bring the constitutional carry bill to the floor, but yet they're shoring up the works to make sure that that license to carry system uh, is maintained in Texas. Um, it doesn't go away, which I'm all for. I, I like options and there's a various, there's various reasons that I like my license to carry. Um, do I think that it should be, a requirement if you want to carry no and that's why i also support the uh, hb 1927 the constitutional carry but i find it interesting that you know we're having some trouble getting the, the constitutional carry on, on the floor but yet they've already passed legislation that protects the ltc program should it 
pass. That's that's weird. Should constitutional carry pass? So that's that's kind of weird. Um, but that's kind of a positive. You know, pro gun bills coming out of the Senate. Again, maybe this is just uh, political theater we're dealing with. But there's a few other bills that you need to know, uh, be aware of. That's going on. They're going through the process. They're looking fairly good at this point. One is the repeal of emergency powers. We've talked about this. Uh, the most popular one of this is the House Bill HB, HB 1500. And this is the one that basically puts shackles on the governor that says, hey, in, a, in an emergency, you can't start pulling away Second Amendment rights. Uh, so that's one that's that's uh, on the radar. Again, highly encourage you to go over to Texas State Rifle Association or Texas GOA, sign up for their news alerts. Uh, and kind of get these for yourself and, and look them over. They're complete with links and, and all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, another one on the radar here is uh, the Traveler Protection, which is really weird. Uh, we've got a House Bill 1856 there. And basically what this does is it protects protects legal gun owners for carrying uh, to their hotel rooms. So I guess from the car into a hotel room. Uh, I never realized that was any type of an issue. I uh, can't tell you the number of competitions we went through and other things. And, you know, kids were transporting firearms to and from vehicles at hotels and that we, we've never had an issue. So um, that's a weird one, a weird piece of legislation, but it is, is one that's moving through. Uh, there's another one that I don't know that I necessarily agree with, uh, but I, we're going to put it on your radar regardless, uh, is a, a Senate bill and then also a, uh, a House bill. Senate Bill 19, House Bill 2558. Um, and basically, that would keep taxpayer dollars from being used to fund um, any anti-gun, anti-2A institution, uh, organization, business that the state does business with, right? So if they contract a crew for road work or... You know, they utilize a payment processor or whatever the, the case may be, and they're deemed, quote, anti-2A. How do you how do you determine that? That's why I say I don't know that I necessarily agree with this. Um, you know, is that the individual employees of that company? Could that potentially cause a problem or would they have be need, needing to make donations like the company itself to something like uh, Mom's Demand Action or something like that? I, I don't know. I don't know the criteria behind that or how that you you flesh that out and that's why i don't know that i uh, completely understand it but um yeah that's one that is moving through we talked about uh, 1258 from hall there uh we've got senate bill 1550 um what it would do and and this is interesting again this one is from the senate so this would eliminate the belt and shoulder holster requirement that language in the license to carry so Right now, that's the way the language reads, is you you need it in a shoulder or a, for open carry, you need it in a shoulder holster or a uh, belt holster. So this would eliminate that language. You could run a chest rig, a drop leg, potentially an ankle holster, basically as long as it was holstered, right? So again, we're dealing with a bill in the Senate that is loosening restrictions on the LTC. That's not congruent with we don't have a climate in the Senate in which we can pass constitutional carry. I don't get it because they're, they're obviously presenting bills. They're passing bills that are pro 2A. So um, maybe 
constitutional carry for some of them goes too far, but I, I don't see it. I mean, we've never had an issue in the past, and, I, and I'm sorry I'm not looking at the live chat right now because I'm looking at my, my screen on this uh, this legislation. But we never had a situation in Texas really where the Senate was the problem. Uh, and that's what's kind of aggravating right now that it potentially could be. Uh, then we've got uh, our buddy Schaefer, man, in the House, House Bill 1407, uh, which is the, the guy that you've seen on the, the live stream there and everything else. He was the one that drafted, uh, submitted, and basically debated the uh, 1927, the Constitutional Carry Bill in the House. Uh, but he's got uh, one that's through the House now uh, and uh, trying to work its way into the Senate. And what it does is it uh, clarifies basically that the a license to carry holder can put their holstered handgun in the seat of their vehicle. So as long as you've got a handgun in a holster, it can be visible in your vehicle and it's all cool. Um, and I think that's a great thing. I don't know anybody that's ever had an issue with that, but that's kind of a, that was a sore spot has been a sore spot in the LTC legislation for a long time. Um, we passed up in a hurry and there's, there's nothing really wrong with that with Texas. For those that may be listening that don't know, we do legislative sessions every other year. So if you don't get it done, that's why a lot of times it's like, just get it done because if you don't get it done, it's two years before we can do anything else. Right. And so that's a good thing because it's two years before they can screw anything else up as well. Right. So it's a double edged sword sometimes. But uh, a lot of times with our license to carry that started out as obviously a concealed handgun license, the CHL, and it's evolved over time from session to session. They've loosened that up. And this is just another example of them loosening that up. And I think that bodes well for constitutional carry. And I think that's a good argument when you do contact uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, the Senator Seliger, your own senators on constitutional carry. I think that's something to bring up is that, look, just like the uh, licensed carry, the, the CHL and the LTC has evolved over time. We could go back and address issues with constitutional carry as we find loopholes, language that could be changed to uh, make that bill stronger and better. Uh, we can always go back and do that. That's fine. Uh, but I think the push is to just get it done. Um, and then finally, there's a House bill that we talked about here, uh, House Bill 918, uh, that is kind of moving through as well. And this one's interesting. This is 18 to 20-year-olds um, basically will be able to apply for an emergency license to carry uh, if they're under some type of a uh, – if they're protected, I should say. Uh, under some type of a family violence, you know, protective order or a similar protective order, right? So, you know, estranged wife, ex-girlfriend, whatever it might be, uh, and they're 18 to 20 years old, they can petition the state, hey, I'm not 21, but there is reasonable imminent threat, harm to myself, uh, my, you know, my livelihood, my children, whatever it might be, um, and then the state will will grant them that, that license to carry, even though they're not 21. And, you know, this is an interesting thing. Uh, this could actually be, this could have some ramifications as far as precedent goes with the whole idea of, you know, I know a lot of, of places um, less free than Texas say that, hey, you, you know, can't have any firearms until you're 21 or whatever. And so this is breaking out of that, that thought uh, which some other places do have in play uh, and saying, hey, 
we recognize that 18 to 20 year olds can have a legitimate reason that uh, they need to uh, protect themselves, their livelihood, their families, whatever it might be. And the, the beautiful thing about that is it goes, it, it goes above and beyond in that we all have that right. I mean, the minute you turn 18, you're basically an adult uh, the way I see it every one of your <laughs> rights kicks in. Um, and the, the second amendment, uh, the right to self-preservation, the right to self-defense is, is obviously, uh, universal in that. So let me go back because there may be some people, uh, in here and I will get to the chat here in just a second and throw these numbers out again. Cause these are the, uh, again, if you want to get a hold of your own Senator representative, whatever, let them know your thoughts on some of these bills. 512-463-4630 is the switchboard in Austin. 512-463-4630. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, uh, hit him up, tell him to, to knock off, knock it off with the shenanigans. He is not the overlord. Uh, him and a few higher-up law enforcement officers uh, should not keep legislation from getting the House floor. If they want to try to sway votes, uh, or the Senate floor. If they want to try to sway votes in the Senate or whatever they lobby, hey, you know, free country, I guess, as far as doing that. But as far as restricting it to even get to the floor, that's BS. So, um, yeah, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's office, 512-463-0001. Again, that's 512-463-0001. And then this senator that we talked about early on from the Amarillo area that is undecided on whether or not he wants to vote to bring uh, HB 1927 to the four, uh, Senator Seliger, 512-463-0131. That's 512-463-0131. I would encourage calling both of these folks as well as your own representatives. Uh, be civil, be cordial, uh, but let them know, hey, we, we've got the momentum. Uh, Texas trails in this area. It's a really big point when we're talking about constitutional carry. And uh, we're tired of tra trailing. So, you know, get it, uh, get it done, right? So with that, I'm going to jump over into the uh, into the chat. Uh, the last says it's not the Senate; it's the Lieutenant Governor. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming you jumped in late there. Uh, and uh, yeah, we talked about kind of that early on how it was a it's it's a blame game right now between Dan Patrick and this Senator Seliger guy. Um. So Oz out there says that he contacted Dan Patrick and Selner. They're both being inundated with calls in support of HB 1920 to them. Contact them and let them know you will actively campaign against them. It doesn't happen. Yeah, this is political suicide for those guys. If they don't get it to the floor, uh, at the very least, get it to the floor. So uh, Dan Patrick is not an absolute friend of the Second Amendment. Uh, and I don't, that's not a surprise probably to anybody out there in the live chat or anybody listening in a replay even. Um, that's not, you know, like, Tell something we don't know, right? Um, however, from a political expediency standpoint, uh, with the momentum that this bill had going through the House, with everything else in play, um, yeah, I think this is just a, a they're, they're trying to muddy some water here, I think, so they have some political cover. I think that's what's happening. Um, you've got to realize that when you go from the House to the Senate, you've got far less senators, right? Obviously, you, have far, far, you only have one lieutenant governor. Um, so it's easy to point that finger, right? You don't have this big, huge gallery of representatives, right? 
it gets a little easier to start pointing fingers at that point. Um, and politically, when uh, they're running for office and other things. So from a political theater type standpoint, a lot of times they do this to create a situation that they can fall back on during an election cycle and go, no, 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 I didn't. You know, Seliger, for example, let me give you this example. So Patrick and Seliger could have a deal where Patrick says, he says, hey, I know you don't want to vote for, I, I know you don't want to vote for this bill, right? Even though he's a Republican, again, 2A issues, there were seven Democrats that voted for it in the House. 2A issues are not necessarily partisan. But he says, hey, I know you don't want to vote for this bill, but at least vote to get it to the floor, right? And what that would do, Seliger could then turn around. A lot of people don't understand it needs 18 votes to get to the floor. People don't pay attention to that. Most people are not the type of folks that are out there in the live chat right now listening and in and, and replay and they're engaged. Most people don't understand that. So Seliger could vote to, to get it to the floor. And that's fine. And then he could vote against it. Well, since there's only 16 votes, not 18 needed to pass, he could, in essence, vote against it. It wouldn't necessarily matter. It could still pass even without his vote. And then he could go back to his constituents, even though he voted to allow it on the floor in the first place and tell his constituents that wouldn't be the wiser because nobody keeps up with how the government actually works. We talked about that live stream multiple times, multiple live stream we did uh, with this bill moving through the House. Most people don't want to know how the gummy bears are made. They're just delicious when they want to eat them. And um, so he's able to have that political cover and go, oh, I didn't vote for that. I didn't vote for that. Well, no, you didn't, but you voted to send it to the floor. So uh, just keep things like that in mind, right? Um, more so out there says, as far as open Alvarez and constitutional carry, do you believe if rights that... Uh, they're always causing. Do you believe people do need to be armed to protect their businesses? Well, of course, dude. You didn't have to go through all of that. My goodness. Uh, Alan says, more 58 SOCOM videos in the future, please. Uh, wished I had more ammo to do more with 458 SOCOM. But, yeah, I need to do some 458 SOCOM in the, uh, the what am I thinking? The Redneck Ballistic Apparatus and see what happens. I've got some... Uh, um, I've only got one, most of my stuff are subsonics, uh, lead subsonic cast. I cast myself, cast and powder coated subsonics. Anyway, getting off of the topic at hand, um, Warsaw says senators need to be reminded they took and swore an oath. Cannot go against that oath. Yeah. You, you get into, when you start hollering, you took an oath and shall not be infringed. You start losing them. Make the correct arguments and the correct argument right now is that we have momentum. Uh, you know, there's a big thing with Texas, Texas politicians and everything else about Texas leading the way. You always hear that. And obviously on constitutional carry, Texas is not leading the way. We're trailing behind, and that's ridiculous. So in light of we're trailing behind and in light of the momentum that it's had moving through the House and everything, it's a no-brainer, right? And I'm still optimistic. Uh, I'm not not doing this to, to say that I'm not optimistic about things. It's just we need to be aware when shenanigans start to happen because it's too late. Once they it's happened and they haven't got calls, and I want to thank um, Oz out there for talking about um, you know all of the all of the people that have reached out and have contacted them, have called that that holds a lot of weight. Um, 
but yeah, they, they know that, that we've called their bluff. They know that we, we are watching, uh, and that makes a huge, huge difference. Um, Joson out there says, emailing Brian Hughes as we speak, we'll call after lunch. Yeah, absolutely would, uh, both, all of the above, right? Call, uh, write, email, carrier pigeon, <laughs> face-to-face, if you have that opportunity, um, let them know. But I've almost got no doubt that that uh, the, the pressure is on. We just have to keep it on, right? Um, Oz out there says, Dan Patrick has actively been against constitutional care for years. Yeah, I don't know what, you know, cover your kids' ears. I don't know what kind of stick is up his butt with constitutional care, right? But uh, it is. I mean, you've got, we've got, and I don't even understand. It's like his office was like, or not his office. It was actually Seliger's office that was saying this. Like I said, Patrick's office was blaming Seliger, basically. And Seliger's office was blaming Patrick. Um, I tend to believe Seliger's office, quite honestly, even though that's not my senator. And uh, I don't really know that much about Seliger. But if you're out there, there's comments below or whatever, or the live chat, let me know what you think of Seliger, if you know anything about the dude. Um, but just with talking with them and knowing the history on Patrick, I tend to believe them, right? That Patrick is kind of backdoor having some private conversations with law enforcement officials around the state. And again, I go back to say it is not up to Dan Patrick, a single politician uh, or law enforcement officials that are not my law enforcement officials, not my county sheriff, right? making decisions as to where or not universal state level legislation gets to the floor of a chamber. That's bull crap. If they want to lobby one way or the other, again, I, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to stop that. That's, you know, we're lobbying now in a, in a sense, right? That's a freedom of speech issue and whatever. Uh, but yeah, when you, when you utilize your power to stalwart, that's BS. It's BS. If people know it and people are calling him on it and, um, is it going to make a difference? I, I think so, and I hope so. Walshaw says, uh, I think even uh, though we're being attacked on on all fronts, state and federal, I think 20 and 21, 20 and 20, 2020 and 2021, there's been a big change, big spike for Pro 2A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's We've gotten a lot of momentum for well over a year now, I think, for sure. For sure. Uh, Oz says, Dan Patrick's off. Seem more dismissive, unlike Seligers. They seem to actually care. Yeah. Yeah. So Oz is plugged in out there. He's definitely uh, kind of got the sentiment. Kinda, you kind of got the same feeling out there I got when I talked with him. So I, I do I do think Patrick is a problem, but we've got to be careful because politicians are greasy and slick and weasley. <laughs> right. So we got to be careful. So this one's gone nine minutes. I got a cough. Forgive me here just for a second. <coughs> But we've gone for 30 minutes. I don't like to run these particular podcasts too long. I'm going to throw these numbers out one more time. Bottom line here, for those that may have come in late, there is some shenanigans and some he said, she said, and some blame game. That's potentially holding up, potentially holding up the works for constitutional carrying in Texas. There's also some bills that we discussed, run back through those, pull the bill numbers. Um, if you're going to call your representatives, uh, be it your state reps or your senators or Dan Patrick's office, be aware of, of 
several of these going on. I think constitutional carry is the big one. That's the one that everybody wants. That's the one that all the momentum is behind. But there's also some really great bills out there, too, that are that are moving through the process that we don't need to forget. Texas has done a wonderful job over the year uh, at chipping away. Uh, to get, we use an anti-gun strategy, and we have been at chipping away to get our rights back. Right, it's not all one fell swoop, uh, but just plugging away every session a little at a time. And some of these small bills uh, are important as well, and can have some some definite uh, advantages. I think uh, moving forward, so we don't want to dismiss those. But on this issue of the shenanigans with Patrick and Seliger and and uh, constitutional carry. Uh, again, Senator Seliger's office, uh, 512-463-0131. is 512-463-0131. Again, these are also in the description wherever you're watching or listening below. Dan Patrick's office, 512-463-0001. Again, 512-463-0001. Uh, and then the Austin switchboard, if you want to get in touch with your own representative, your own senator, whatever, which I highly encourage you to do, uh, 512-463-0001. 463-4630. Also, I've said it several times before, if you're not signed up for the email alerts for Texas GOA or for Texas State Rifle Association, go do that. As soon as the stream ends, get over there, do that. Uh, and then at least you'll be aware of, their, like I said, they seem to be a little bit behind the curve, but at least you'll be somewhat aware uh, of what's going on. And you won't have to rely on podcasts like these or, you know, social media feeds or whatever that could get filtered or blacklisted or shadow banned or whatever the case may be uh, you've got that stuff at least uh, you know more or less a more more stable copy i guess would be the word so with that said tomorrow there most of the time these clover tech podcasts are impromptu because we're talking about legislative things and stuff like that uh, but occasionally they do get scheduled because we have guests and tomorrow we're going to have uh, i think it's at noon uh, Eastern Standard Time. We're going to have uh, some folks from Excess Sites on. So if you're curious about Excess Sites, we want to ask some questions um, the company and all of that kind of stuff, then, uh, yeah, jump over and, uh, and join that one. Uh, Rick out there said he called the clan in Amarillo. He's not very far away. Awesome. Try to get a hold of Dan Patrick. All I got was recording, so I'll call back later. Leave a message. Uh, leave a message. Uh, would be, hopefully you did. But yeah, if you just get, if you can't get an aid or whatever, uh, at least leave a message and leave your, your callback number and all that good kind of stuff, right? So that's it. We're gone about 35 minutes in. But uh, thanks for hanging out live, everybody that did. Uh, man, keep up the faith. Keep up the pressure for, for uh, those that are in Texas. Uh, and, uh, and stay positive on this. I think we can I think we can get it done. Uh, we've got momentum on our side. We've got the will of the people, I think, on our side. Um, so it's just a uh, matter of continuing to stay the course. So, yeah, again, thanks for uh, hanging out on this episode, quick episode of the Clover Tech Podcast. Peace, guys. <laughs>